Hello, everyone, and welcome to the eighth episode of the BDD Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Joseph, as always, and today we have seven very special guests with us. Uh, we've got uh, Kevin, we've got Julian, we've got Maria, we've got Andrew, we've got Melissa, we've got Rally, and we have Tanush, all people who made it to the finals of Hard House High Schools. So we're going to be talking about that, talking about some stuff in debate, and talking about some other things today. So welcome everyone. Uh, it's really great to have you guys. The first thing I wanted to briefly ask you guys is, how are you guys doing? How's your time been since since Hard House? Good. I've been doing great. Wonderful. <laughs> it's it's been all right. Fun fun times. School has not been as fun, but it is what it is. My English exam is tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh, very nice. Thank yeah. you for showing up. A hard hitter. You guys are lucky as hell. What? I had one test yesterday and two tests today. Oh, I have two uh, midterms I have tomorrow. The worst time. My English teacher is like hates me for no reason. <laughs> nah, oh me me goodness. and my English teacher are so tight. Like it's crazy. Like I've shown up to one English class all semester so far, and t- today was my second one. And he goes, how have you been, Tanush? And I'm like, oh, I've been good. And he's like, all right, I trust you to catch up. And I'm like, yeah, bless your soul. What the heck, Tanush? I didn't show up to one class, and he started, like, saying how I have issues in front of the whole class. Off, bro. I mean, like, bro's spitting. I'm just saying, like, you shouldn't include oh. this in the in the podcast, but... What <laughs> 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 Uh, I'll, I'll take the, the I'll, I'll take the parts that I like. <laughs> no editing. We're just going straight out. Okay, cool. Good to hear that everyone's doing very well. Um, let's talk about Hard House. Hard House just happened. It's the last major BP tournament of the year. Um, I wanted to use this as a chance to talk about your time at Hard House, and specifically, I first wanted to ask Maria, Rally, and Tanush, how does it feel back? Feel feel being back at a BP tournament after not being at one for basically the entire rest of the year. Uh, there are pretty stark differences between Worlds and PP, which we figured out very quickly, which made it, I think, a little bit hard to get used to. But I think BP has like its reasons that it's fun as well. I think it's more exciting. I think the 15 minutes of prep, while not ideal, are fun in its own way. And of course, I mean, an in-person tournament is always nice, especially one that's held in Canada. So it's not like you're making new friends with other people, but it's like you're meeting people that you've seen online and you're just matching faces to profile pictures and that's that's nice as well yeah like i'll say like one big thing about worlds and for us specifically is like we've been seeing a lot of people from like different countries and that's been really fun and stuff but man like taking a break from bp made me realize like there is some utility to bp like i i hated this format like i was like pro worlds like number one bp hater but going back to hard house like there's something really fun about just Julian and I are like anyone and your partner and Julian is a great partner for this exact reason just like 15 minutes just c- coming up with ideas like monkeys and then going and delivering the most like random like batshit case um and then just being like a toss-up I- in the chairs but with, like with worlds like so much more structured and you have like a 60 minute uh time frame to come up with like such a thorough case and like you're debating like really really strong national teams and stuff so it's like you know that aside that's why I actually really, really enjoyed Hard House for that reason. It was great. 
Yeah, you get away well, with running a lot more, a lot more batshit cases. Yeah, I feel like I just have similar things to say. I mean, I definitely think what I like about BP is that you can kind of be more flexible and play around a bit more than in Worlds, where I think there's kind of like a like a set of standards that you have to adhere to to be good. So I think in BP, it's definitely fun to like experiment on extension. I think it's good to see everyone in person. I feel like that was was a lot of fun. Although we did come back from like Singapore, where we saw a lot of people in person as well. But it's good to see the Canadians. And then, I don't know. I guess reflections on the style. I feel like after doing Worlds, firstly, I think Ref and BP is a little bit easier because arguments are less thoroughly built. Like there's much less preemption integrated into it. And then two, I think. You know, I still think closing is kind of a uh, kind of too strong in high school British parliamentary. <laughs> closing is <laughs> but, too strong. That yeah, is a controversial opinion. Nah, this guy yeah. just characterizes the entire debate into five teams in his final speech. Bro, that shit was insane. I cannot oh Can't do the unorthodox whips in worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna say like Rally and I were talking about this in Singapore as well, which was like, uh, because of worlds, I think we both became a lot safer as debaters and. BP sort of was like an avenue to sort of break out of that mold. Because the thing with Worlds is like, you have one case that you sort of carry down line as a team. And so you can't really do things like come up with like random extensions or give interesting pieces of refutation or just be like deeply stylistic in a way that is like, uh, I guess I guess a little bit more humorous than I guess you might have some level of seriousness and like weighing and stuff in, in Worlds. So that was definitely like reconnecting with that aspect of me was good. Nice, nice. Very glad to hear that it's been so nice being back to see all the Canadians. It was nice to see all you guys this weekend too. Haven't seen you guys in a while. Tanush since Tanush since McGill when he showed up on the last day to swing two rounds. And then Rally Maria, not since like Harvard right before the pandemic hit, which is pretty cool. Uh alrighty. So next thing I want to ask you guys is what is it that you, that you like about going to debate tournaments? What is it that makes you want to give up your weekend? to yell at each other in a room and have someone like me judge you guys? I think, uh, for me, I think the most, the, the be best thing about debate tournaments is, like, the social atmosphere. Like, the first thing is, like, it, it's very different from going to school every day, so it's 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 more fun um, seeing people that you haven't seen in a while. Um, I think, I think especially, like, obviously the activity's all right. Um, it's different from school. Uh, I think the most important thing for me is the social circle and just being able to, like, most times like travel to somewhere and then like stay in a hotel with your friends for a weekend and, and being able to just um, fool around when you wouldn't be able to do so uh, regularly. Oh, like it's better than the online version. Like definitely preferable to like sitting in your cold ass room and, you know, popping on Discord calls with people occasionally. I feel like the human element definitely makes it more fun. It seems less like a, I don't know, like an academic activity and more like kind of a social thing because you can talk to people after rounds. You know, you can have fun when you're speaking. It doesn't have to be all just like formalities. Yeah, you can make jokes. You can make you can make thank you speeches. All that stuff is really nice. Though you could do that stuff. You can make the thank you speeches and, and jokes online. They just don't quite Maria, the same. Just the most awkward thing is like when you tell a joke and then like the entire Discord call is silent because no one can unmute. It's yeah. so much better person. Like, like, like the delivery of like yeah man like style is so important in debating and debating in person because it's like my first bp tournament in person ever was like Wait. so 
much better. That's oh my true. God. Oh my God. Wait, your first one was like McGill online. The first one, right? Yeah. That's actually insane to think about. And like the jokes are like actually effective too. If, I, if I'm sitting here as a judge and like you make a good joke that actually points out something true about the world, I'll, I'll take it as analysis and I'll, I'll credit it to you. And like no one's going to sit there and like refute your joke, right? So I just kind of sit there assuming that what you said is correct. Okay, there's yeah. one more thing though that's different about online debate in person. It's that you can trash talk your opponents to a much higher degree. Of, like, <laughs> oh my goodness. God. <laughs> Who are you trash talking? Oh so 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 this weekend i think the most common phrase that was said between me and tanesh is like this is so stupid every time somebody said something tanesh would just start like um you know saying not the most savory things about our opponents sometimes but it's also been really good because strategically that means you can feed people content a lot and i think we abuse that to a an unhealthy degree because Tanush, this guy was literally like feeding me content. I was walking up to give my whip and he's like, yo, point this, this, and this at it. I was like, bro, I need to start speaking. But <laughs> it's really better than like, you know, DMing people rough through Discord. But yeah, and obviously like strategically being able to prep in person um, is definitely probably better than in a Discord call. I also think like um, it's, it's uh, the other thing that Julie mentioned is like, um, like the difference. I think like, um online you just like maybe after rounds you go play tetris with your partners but it's, <laughs> it's a very isolating experience whereas in person i think like you can you can just hang out with people it's a lot more fun and also after tournaments right like over discord it's just like oh the voice call ended i'm gonna go back to my regular life and then maybe you like feel a little bit down because you just wasted your whole weekend sitting on discord call but in person like you can go hang out with people get dinner with them afterwards and, and i think like the, the experience is much less it feels less empty afterwards as well how was going to Chinatown after the last day of Hard House? It was great. What'd you guys do? We kept trying to. Okay, yeah, so yeah. there was like not a restaurant for the longest time that could fit all of us. So we were like, okay, let's split up then, like our massive group, and go to different places. But we weren't able to like split because everyone just kept following each other. <laughs> uh, which was kind of funny. But we ended up finding a restaurant that held everyone. So it kind of worked out in the end. Oh, that's super cool. Okay, it was like kind of worse than that. So I think like <laughs> Maria, Maria, Crystal, and Jiao were like trying to cross the street um, to, to go look for like a noodle piss on the other side of the road. And then they went and then the rest of us were like, should we follow? And then Tanish was like, no, 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 we should divide and conquer. <laughs> and then I don't know who it was, but like one of us just like started jaywalking across the street to follow them. It was and me. Then... It was me. So I was like, I was like, oh, I want to hang out with like oh my and God. Crystal. Right? So I was like, okay, well, I'll split oh, up and I'll split up with them. And, and then everybody followed. <laughs> you told me to come along. And then you just had like 50 people jaywalking on the most busy downtown road. It was so dangerous. And that's just I don't know how we made it out alive, but. I think you can cut that out. <laughs> no, 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 we're no, good. That, that's what this I felt like. I literally felt like Moses, like in that moment. Like I was stopping <laughs> the cars, everybody was following me. Like, yeah, it's like 20 sheep following you right behind. Yeah. All I right. think for me at least, part of it, part of the fun in doing debate tournaments is sort of like what people have been saying. It's very detached in a sense because, you know, I feel like during your regular school life, there's a lot of like stressors and things you're worrying about. But then during the debate tournament, during the weekend, you just have two days where you're completely detached you just forget. from those thoughts. Yeah. You're just focusing on like whatever shenanigans is going on, like Tanush looting everyone across the street, like <laughs> stuff like that, right? It's just very, yeah, you get to focus on something that's you know, fun, focus on something that's very relaxing and enjoyable away from just everyday life, which is cool. Yeah, it's a really nice escape for sure.
maybe like to an unhealthy extent some of the time if you're like forgetting about the four mid- midterms that you have oh i feel like one thing maybe worth mentioning is like uh, i don't know i really like in person but it's obviously like kind of uh hard sometimes to get a lot of people like i know there are lots of people in bc who would love to come but they probably couldn't fly over so i think online definitely has its merits too and like to the extent that now i think post pandemic like both of them are pretty big in debate yeah, i think it's a good thing yeah that makes sense rally 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 maria this house would make a wscc alternate between online oh, and no, person. Remind thoughts me. Oh, thoughts God. thoughts well, I was criminal. Piece was trash in that round. <laughs> yeah, so. Oh my god! Right, I do think thing. that, like, I feel like universities should sort of transition into like having like one BP tournament uh, online and another one in person, just so you can like That's obviously what like McGill is doing. Some some debate clubs are very in debt, and you can like uh, obviously get out of that much better. But also, it's just like you get the benefits of both. Andrew, you and a certain Team Japan member would like get along so well. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying we should have both, not that we should alternate. I'm kidding. I mean, what Western's kind of the one that just runs them all online now, right? All the big ones online, but like, people don't treat Western the same. At least not the second one. Um, I don't know though. Uh, That's so disappointing. I really, really like going to Western, and to be honest, the reason why I didn't want to go this year was because it was online, and then I wouldn't get that like in-person connection honestly the fact that i could talk to my partner like saved me and andrew in semifinals because andrew was like okay mel you have to say this and i was like i don't understand what's like he's like this is the deadlock breaker okay you have to say this and he had to explain it to me like four different times because i just could not grasp what he was telling me and like if it wasn't in person like i'm not really sure how that would have gone because i didn't get it until the fourth time yeah, it's not the same trying to type it, like, madly type it into a doc or, like, type out all your words, because it's just slower. You can, like, type out, you can, like, say more, you can, like, see how confused Melissa is, and then explain it differently three, four times. But yeah, feeding okay, content is definitely really different. I think me and Tanush take straight fours with this tournament was online. Like, we definitely partnered <laughs> way better in person. Yeah, no, that's actually yeah. facts. Like, like, the thing is, right, like, my, like... Riley also knows is like when I do BP, like I straight up just like deliver extensions without telling my partner what it is, and that's because it's online and I hate typing. But when it's in person, I can just whisper to Julian like a shit ton of material, and bro's like, I got it, and I'm like, yeah, exactly. So in person is so much better. I think Tanush is like the first partner I've had that like transitioned me into like listening to my partner's extension because before partnering Listen, with Tanush, what? What? no, no. I partnered with Tanush before. Did yeah, I? No. I, no, I know you did. Did you not? Okay, yeah, we did. But like the the point is like when when I was with Melissa, like we don't have an extension like like figured out already, so I wouldn't have to listen to Mel's speech because I know what she's gonna say. But like with Tanush, like man, the extension changes like whenever, so you actually have to listen to his speech. <laughs> my fault, my fault, guys. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's like unorthodox. I don't know. Maria and I always prep our extension in prep, and then uh, it's usually the same going into the round. Oh, is it just like what? never run? Most of the time? Yeah, 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 usually. Because you anticipate like, what's g- going to be run, right? We just, like, think of, like, three, four things, and then one of them is, is bound to be good or right. not taken. doesn't have to be good, but it won't be taken. Like that yeah, finals yeah. extension. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, bro. Uh, bro! We can, we'll get that later. That finals extension has been on my mind for the past four days. 
I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I hate being OG for this exact. <laughs> yeah, I still okay, okay. didn't fully understand it. I was like, "Is this allowed?" Oh, I understood. <laughs> what are you it. talking about? We'll we'll talk nah, about it. Funny. I was gonna talk about um quarters and semis, but we'll talk about finals too, or like cut one of the other ones. Uh, alrighty. Next thing. Next thing I want to ask you guys is uh, in heart for how specifically. Do you like how it was run? Would you do anything differently if you were running it uh, in terms of, I don't know, any general complaints, food, motion, stuff like that? Yeah, I thought the, the, you um, I thought the prep thing was really helpful. Um, just like having some time for, to wait till everyone gets to the buildings. But yeah, Mel, you were saying? No, I was going to say the same thing. The 10 minute <laughs> walking thing is the most blessed thing I've ever encountered. Like I wanted to kiss them on the lips. I was like, oh my gosh. This has never happened before. Like before we would be um, like I went to Heart House in grade nine. And so the walking was so, so far. Like you would literally burn like five minutes of your prep time because you're walking to where you want to go. If you're fast. But you don't know like where you're going. Yeah, no, that that's a that's a big that's a big win. Debate tournaments become like like day. Um <laughs> I think well this is this is true for all tournaments, but like I think like you should have two plaques for like award winners. It's so it's so bad having to like like decide between your partner who should take home the plaque. Okay. Really yeah, that's very fair. Um I just think most clubs skimp on it purely for monetary reasons. Cause if you so I'll let you know a little bit about how much it costs. All the trophies for McGill and like uh trophies and awards Sorry, yeah, trophies, plaques, and, like, medals, they added up to, like, 400-something, so if you wanted to double it, or it wouldn't be double, but it'd be, like, 700-something dollars, so it'd be, like, 300 extra dollars, which, like, I don't know, cuts into profits a bit. I think it would be good to order it twice. If you guys would be willing to pay more as a result, then, like, yeah, that we can do that for sure. Um, but that would depend if everyone's willing to pay more for those or not. Can we, can we go around every team and see who took the plaque? I'm just really interested. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, like, yeah, yeah. All right, Ke Kevin and Jin, who took the plaque? Yeah, so I ended up keeping it because Jin was like, I'm going to win one next year. Yeah, okay, yeah, he's hey! good. Julian and Tanush? Uh, Tanush took it because, because he's this is the last tournament. Yeah, okay. And I also it. have another year. All right, what about... Okay, so there's two where they don't have that excuse. Rally and Maria, who took the trophy? Me, because Maria didn't want to bring it on the subway. Damn. Okay, okay. I'm just gonna say it when I said that he should take the trophy, he said, Don't worry, I have more at home. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, I remember this. I remember this. So mean. And, okay. Andrew and Mel. <laughs> you wanna uh, guess? Did Andrew take it? Yes, Andrew took the plaque. You know what? Um the woman said I don't know, the EC woman, she said, I can get it copied yeah, yeah, for yeah. you. Yeah, they can copy it. Yeah, you can copy them for $26 oh? plus shipping, yeah. Oh, right. So I was like, Andrew, if you can get it copied, like, cool. If if not, like, it's fine. You can just have it. Yeah, if you want to know how, you can you can ask me after. But yeah, you can Oh, yeah, it. just yeah, please send. I, I already sent it to you. You already asked me. All right, anyways. But yeah, the plaques, w would you guys be willing? So what, 110... 140 10 more, $10 more dollars would be a thousand. It'd be like five extra dollars per per, per per team to to pay for that. If y'all are willing, that sounds like not a bad idea, honestly. You get like really. It seems. Yeah. 
This seems like an elitist complaint. Like, oh, yeah. we didn't, we didn't get well yeah. those awards at our best speaker awards. Meanwhile, like the three hundred other guys who came to this award tournament are like, what the fuck, guys? Like, <laughs> you know, I feel like this is one of those things though, where like if you add it on, if you ask the team whether or not they want to add the extra five dollars, they're gonna be like, no. But if you just included that as like the original price, then no one would notice. No one like, would notice. Just don't tell them. I mean, yeah, McGill would have been what two, like yeah, one ninety five or something like that, maybe two hundred. Yeah, McMaster's charging like 180. They're charging yeah, 180 because like they don't have scale either. Like it, it's, it's yeah, no people hard. are going. No people are going. Oh, I hope that's not the case. McMaster like, Online gave NFT awards. That was, yeah. that... <laughs> that was pretty cool though. No, no, what was the? NFT? It was just a, It was um. It was just like a like a a gif of like a person speaking at a podium. That's like a three it. second Dude, thing. they, they yeah. could have done at least at least a custom okay, yeah. a custom one for that one. Alrighty. Okay, the next thing I wanted to ask is how you guys felt about the level of competition. Cause I think most of you have been to one, if not two, if not three hard houses before. Um how did you feel like the level of competition was this year compared to years prior, both online and in person? So uh wait, someone else can go first if they want, but actually that's no, fine, I'll just go fuck it. For you guys um like see my experience with the hard house has been bad like last year it was redacted and like not good and the year before that i spoke like 88 because it was like neuter debate like kind of tanking everything and so i guess from that perspective the competition was objectively easier for us because we were like you know not the younger people that were going against like michael and stellar or like Gabby and uh, Serena or something like that, right? Um, and I guess it was competition easier in that sense. But I think it was still com a competitive tournament overall. Like, a round four room was literally basically our finals room. Um, ch like, change one team around. Like, you know, it, it was a difficult tournament. That is what tends to happen in round four, yeah. I can't believe we got pulled up into that room. That was <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> Um, I was, when I went in grade nine, I, I noticed that Heart House was the hardest tournament that I had been to. Yes. Um, like up to date, I was like, wow, like usually, cause I was a junior at that time. And I was like, usually we can make it pretty close to like junior finals or like make junior finals. And at that tournament, we got like six points or something. Like it was really, really sad. And, um, same thing. Like I was talking to a lot of the people at the tournament and they were all telling me that this year's heart house seemed really really competitive like even in um the so-called like bin rooms like a lot of people were still pretty good but in terms of like me and andrews like the teams we were hitting specifically like we did hit a lot of teams that we knew so it did seem harder but at the same time i'm not super super sure because like same thing with Tanish last year. Like I did really, 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 really bad at Heart House, so I don't have a super good comparison. Uh, for me, uh, I think it was quite similar because last year, last year we made finals as well. It's actually funny. Last year we made finals, and then we placed tenth team overall, and I placed twenty second speaker. This year we did the same thing, except I placed twenty third speaker. Oh um, my god. <laughs> um, but I think like like in terms of skill level, 
I think it was quite similar. Like I remember Hard House last year, we kept taking twos to Jason and Julian uh, <laughs> until until Hidden Quarters, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We lost in Hidden Quarters. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think like I think like the skill level was overall like quite similar. It's just that like we have gotten better, and a lot of the like older people have have graduated. Basically, like what other people have said. Mm -hmm. I think Maria and I have similar experience. So two years ago, we were in junior finals, and then we we got the randy co extension treatment so we lost that uh and then last year we lost in semis so this year it's good wait you to... mean three years ago right um yeah, yeah it would the be last in person ago. one right the last in person yeah, one, yeah yeah that makes sense that makes sense wait bro yeah. i spoke a hundred last year that's crazy <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> oh my god hundreds a second is crazy oh no no bro andrew because it's remember fuck you sorry Remember no, Kojo a Chumpong? Yeah, Bro yeah. gave us a 72 to 71. So, okay, yeah. it was Andrew and Sherry, and then me and Barry. And, like, the call was, like, I think Andrew and Sherry deserve the first, sure. But we deserve the second by far. Yeah. <laughs> and he that, gave us a fourth. Was... And he, our speaks are 71 and 72. Like, this man was deranged. Yeah, I feel like seeing y'all as far below average probably isn't right. Unless if they did the yeah, math so... oddly and, like, Thought another team was a seventy-three and a seventy-four, and you clearly lost to them or something. We actually, yeah, that I think I actually did sense. pretty well with Jagsu in twenty twenty-one. I remember like during semis, we were on CO, and he had an extension that I just did not understand <laughs> until after the round, and then after it just clicked, and that was like a running joke between us, where it's just like I, I just didn't understand the extension until after the round. What was the extension? Um, it was the round about I think it was like Asian. Should Asian like raise a standing army or something? Oh, um, I remember that bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, we were on CO. I think like Heather was in the round. Yeah. And what was your extension? Something about like how the countries just leave. I don't know why I didn't understand <laughs> the extension. Oh, okay. <laughs> smart. Maybe that's why it doesn't make sense. Who knows? But like maybe it's because like if you have to commit like military obligations or something, then Yeah, it was like that. Out. Yeah. Okay, that, that makes sense. Something yeah, is it people. just me? I feel like general skill level of junior debaters, just like if you took your average go debater from like 2020 heart house compared to this year's this year's just so much higher yeah they're 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 much much better like the number i think it's just like the amount of practice that they have compared yeah to i think i think i think yeah i think the debate circuit as a whole has just like the high school circuit has improved a lot since like like i think like the average debater is just a lot better than they were like yeah. two or three years ago because of like institutions and stuff institutions more accessibility it's getting sweatier every year happens in every these speaks are actually deranged oh my god <laughs> No. 72 73 what the hell what are you what are you looking at exactly andrew spoke Wait, 203 oh this is this is hard house two years ago that's crazy that's crazy bro oh my god yeah imagine just speaking average and then just speaking 72 in a round i think uh part of like what makes this like recent years different is i think like debate has more of a focus on on mechanization now than it did before and like justifying your characterizations and people do it a lot more which i think is good people it makes for it better rounds more. yeah people do it a lot Wait, what do you mean like what was it like before i wasn't there mm, i feel like you could kind of like assert things more and get uh, away with it with judges i feel and teams wouldn't call you out oh interesting. as long as it seemed reasonable yeah like if yeah, it seemed reasonable and you said it you could generally get away with it um also like people i think three years ago almost never weighed ever because it just wasn't in, like there was more of a focus on 
like actually explaining your arguments properly and then impacting them well and then at that point you would just win like i think nowadays yeah even nowadays i think very few people actually weigh properly in debate like people pretend like they're weighing and they're actually like just telling me what their impacts are and why i should care about them but uh yeah like people never actually used to even like try to do weighing before whereas now there's a huge emphasis on a lot of calls come down to weighing uh rather than just having an argument versus not having a good argument and i think it's for the better too because it makes it less less subjective i am part of that category that pretends to weigh i, I mean you're on pm yeah, i don't too. i don't know how you're gonna weigh on pm you're all good <laughs> you pretty weighs the whole round is that smart yeah no the highlight is when 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 ethan q stands up tells me that he's gonna weigh in his speech against tanush and julian on cg in the semifinals, and then he proceeds to not weigh exactly what he said he was going to weigh and then he drops because well he didn't drop because he didn't weigh he dropped because the extension didn't make sense but anyways he still didn't weigh at that point so i'm still i'm still waiting for my weighing i'm still sitting there in the audience he like called me out in particular too yeah he was like joseph stand up that's joseph <laughs> Yo, how did you feel about that because you know from a spectator's perspective that shit was kind of uh, you know, a little bit of sus. Nah, I felt like, I mean, like, people know me. I'm not on the judging panel, so it's all good. But yeah, I, I feel like I would have, yeah, I would have left that round halfway through opening if I was expecting <laughs> that. Like, that shit was actually so confusing. Wait, I, I, I don't think it was that bad. Like, it's just a classic model quibble. Like, I think I'm pretty sure that's like actually one of the key clashes in, in, in the debate. And I don't think you can model it in. I think you need to explain what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of Right, Maybe that's why debate is closing heavy now because it is not if there's any, I well, think according to Rally, I, I strongly disagree. So Rally, you would have trouble in a room of four good teams winning on opening. Yeah, I think winning on opening is hard because I think judges <laughs> over credits weighing uh, that's done in close. Well, you just have more time to think of good stuff, that's and true. I think most opening teams with 15 minutes and five minutes speaking can't get to like really really good. And strategic content, and they I, judges. I, I feel like these days credit anything. They credit strategy. They credit analysis. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm close. they credit vibes apparently as well. Yeah, I agree with Rally. Like me and Andrew have a really hard time. Like when we when I pulled OG for finals, I was like, oh, this is gonna be really hard for us because the thing with like a lot of motions is they require a lot of nuance, right? So. When you're on closing, I feel like you have a better sense of like what the, like you have more time to like think of more specific arguments, and then like it's a lot easier for you to win based off of that. Yeah, especially in like hypothetical broad motions that you that they end up running in finals. Like, dog, like for this motion, we probably had three extensions, then one half of an extension. But that fourth extension that I spent like twenty seconds on could have been like the five minutes of my speech, and that's what we were gonna do in the first place, right? For the finals so it's like i think in really really top rooms and on completely fair motions that have good material that goes beyond o opening like closing is a bit of a buff yeah. i think especially i think especially whips like like as a whip speaker i just think you can get away with so much on whip like <clears throat> there have been times like even in semis where like i i was quote unquote weighing against maria and rally but like in reality i was just like refuting their mechanism and telling why mine was better oh you're so, so right I just think like like you can get away with so much on in whip that isn't considered knifing, um, and isn't considered new argumentation, but rather like new refutation, yeah. and, and so it gets credited completely. And I just think there should be like like sort of more 
accountability against that. I think this right. is even more true during in rounds. Yeah, the in yeah you can get away with a lot, a lot. Especially the judges are like relatively new, have been told to like credit things from whip specifically. That's actually a really good segue into briefly talking about the quarterfinals. The quarterfinals is the most closing heavy motion I've ever seen. And the motion is, oh. Oh, I'll briefly read the info slide for people at home. In rap, being authentic or real refers to a rapper's tendency to independently write their own lyrics and the extent to which their lyrical content is a reflection of their personal and or lived experiences. Often a, uh, rappers, a rapper's prestige is tied to their perceived authenticity. This is unlike other music genres where artists are encouraged to work with large production teams and writing staffs. And then the motion was, this house regrets the norm that rappers ought be authentic. Yeah, sure, Julian Tanesh, you can go first and spit. Okay, so to preface, I think this motion was like completely made for us because I think we're the only two people in the room that actually listen to hip hop. And probably out of all the teams in semis, there weren't that many. So we kind of ran stock OO, but I thought our stock OO was pretty strong. So we basically talked about how this is good for like, you know, on the personal basis because it makes minorities feel like they have a voice, especially if they live in neighborhoods that are disenfranchised. And then second societally, how rap is kind of used as a protest anthem, a source of anti-establishment art, and how it's used to garner, garner like unique social change. Um, and I thought we ran a pretty good case. I think this was like the best, mm, the, the least dodgy and solid case we ran this entire tournament. And was... we allegedly almost took a third, which was quite insane because I thought we clearly took the first in this. But yeah, closing yeah. did pull some strange stuff this round. Wait, like, okay, so this was, like, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Julian. This was, like, our least, like, this was, like, our most normal, sane human being case throughout the tournament, except for maybe the first round, because the first round was, like, such a sleeper food motion. Um, but, like, I, I guess uh, the case, I think, I, I think the debate's interesting, right? Like, I think it's interesting because you can view authenticity as, like, a very multifaceted thing. And the thing is, in our round, OG tried to run what I think is the correct OG case, like these perceptions of authenticity pigeonhole rappers into doing X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. But the thing is, like, unfortunately for our OG, they just didn't listen to rap. And so when I come up here, <laughs> here with, like, 20 different examples of individual rap songs that, like, did things for society, that were co-opted in protests, that, like, faced backlash in the public... Like, you can paint such a strong picture of why this is one of the few examples of genuine authenticity that, like, like what? One of the government speeches started off their speech by going, I really wish I listened to rap. Because, yeah, obviously you wish you listened to rap, or else, like, it's so hard to refute this. Um, and so that's why I really enjoyed this motion, because we got to dump and dunk a bunch of rap spec and hip-hop spec, because I think Julian and I are, like, the only debaters uh, that made it past, like, like, into the finals and stuff that are, like, hip-hop nerds. And so it was cool. Anyone want to contest that? I think, I'll, I think I'll jump in here because uh, I think Jin is actually like really <laughs> into hip hop as well. Whereas like I also don't listen to that much hip hop. So the guy I think he probably gave his like most banger speech I've heard during the quarterfinals round. Um, he started quoting like Spotify statistics on like different rap songs and like the effects of that on like different artists. I, I don't know. It was just really good. Um, and I think, yeah, it was sort of in line with what we talked about with the closing advantage. I think we were able to get away with a lot just on whip. Um, basically just washing out the front half and just every other team's content, I guess, in the round and just trying to prioritize ours. Oh, one thing I'll say is there's this giga-based re regrets narrative motion strategy that I sort of picked up from Jason Xiao um, that we used in both uh, of the... Oh, Ralia. No, no, nothing. I was laughing. It's, 
Yeah, it's an yeah. interesting strategy. Yeah, no, no. It's like it's like Jason does this thing in, in his uh, in his regrets or narrative motions where he instead of like debating like every other debater and regrets and narrative motions where you just give arguments to do with the motion, he goes, Here's why uh this thing happened. And so regretting this thing means you regret all of this, right? So for example, for the religion round, it was like we like we somehow connected like regretting the splintering of the church and like <laughs> secularism and like all of this shit. And then obviously regretting that is bad. Like Rally can get Rally American can give the example of like one of the TC rounds that we had and apparently like like what was the motion? It was like I don't know. Anti-establishment. I feel like that one was a bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah, like this house opposes anti-establishment rhetoric. And then like the prop was like you have to regret like the civil rights movement and Martin Luther King Jr. and everything, which exactly. I feel like doesn't make any sense. So, so that's what we did for hip hop. We were like, I started off with like when NWA released a song, Fuck the Police, they, they, they faced like so much backlash, blah, 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 blah. Like rap and its demand for authenticity came in a world of like, um, you know, where there was no relatability for minorities, where music and mainstream media flooded it in like whatever racist blah, 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 blah way. So it was an anthem for protest revolution and that's where authenticity comes from and then it's like okay like so you're regretting like protests like it's like kind of tough you know yeah i i've i've always understood it as like you want to think about why the thing happened in the first place and like usually frame it as a response i don't how do you make the link between regretting this happening is regretting the reasons why it happened like how do you make make the link because i i think the thing is like there's all there's always a link in that right and it's like the reasons why x happened caused x to happen and the outcome of that was like you solved the reasons uh... right so i think like you end up seeing that sort of change and it's like i actually think it's a i think it's the most instructive thing that we'll probably see all podcasts it's like the i think that's the best i genuinely think it's the best way to approach regrets motions or like narrative motions like they're really really effective cases if you're able to do that one I thing to add or explain oh yeah oh. go ahead Andrew. um yeah one thing to add to this um this is sort of like what we're talking about closing but I think like when 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 for instance like CG wants to bring up like uh, an like attach this to a very like a, a, like sort of a wide reach of this uh, of a, of a counterfactual and then they have a lot of strong reasonings to do so. I think it just becomes really easy for the debate to become like closing heavy because like at that point you're debating about such big things that like the opening clash does it, it just isn't relevant anymore. And I think like it, and I think like it's also just true when they have like a very good extension. Just like engagement with that extension oftentimes makes the opening clash seem less relevant. And, and I think like that that's a problem. Yeah, I think a lot of opening teams kind of veer towards debating authenticity and rap, and less so on the societal effects of authenticity in rap, or like authenticity being viewed as like a virtue in general, which I think made it pretty pretty closing heavy at least in the way that i saw it because that's what happened in our round and rally and maria can kind of attest to this and so can so can andrew mel actually oh i forgot if i told you or not i i i was you weren't actually close to being dropped but i initially thought that andrew and mel lost to their opening for being one much less clear of them two them their their opening actually explain which is crystal and Jiao. they were very they were very good in that round um explaining more about what exactly happens to, like rappers and uh what is the effect of this authenticity and it being a little bit more clearly linked to the motion um but in the end i was persuaded that you guys had enough one like d like direct weighing against uh yeah 
well, not direct weighing. I thought you guys explained why there are like larger and more probable effects that are important to the actual way that authenticity is is perceived and how that affects the industry. Yeah, so I think like on closing, right, we just had like a few new mechanisms that like Mel was a genius for thinking of. And like, you just like, like BS some weighing about why that's more important than opening. Oh my gosh. Take the round. In every single round where we're on closing, literally me and Andrew go into prep and we're like, okay, so our opening is probably going to take all this. What do we do? And Andrew goes, it's fine. And then (laughs) he has so much trust in me. So I'm like sitting in the round, like thinking so hard about like how I'm supposed to make this case different from our opening. But I think we did get like a bit lucky because um, there were some mechanisms that we were able to take and then Andrew was able to weigh them like well against our opening and so i think that's probably why we made it through oh, i don't think he weighed well against opening i think he refuted cg decently for three and a half minutes and then did did some hand wavy opening against opening but that, mm. that, that was good enough for the panel it's all good awesome <laughs> it is what it is yeah dude genuinely the only debater that i've actually seen weighs rally like uh, did i see any weighing that round from anyone that's not rally in finals or i didn't weigh in finals the I just whole tournament i know <laughs> you he weighed in quarters oh hey jen welcome welcome Hello, we're talking about the quarters finals right now oh i love that motion yeah what was your case we heard about your six speech from from kevin a little bit um so he ran three extensions first um on false authenticity why um when rappers are like kind of pressured into um like they they're they're told that they aren't actual rappers unless they are perceived as authentic or real that they have active incentive to like try to seem authentic even if they aren't so you get a lot of people who are trying to act quote unquote hard or like act like they're super rich or like um act as if like they came from quote unquote the hood so like there are all these kind of like stereotypes that like rappers with co-op that they actually like didn't actually have to have to go through so it's just like very very bad um and then there's also another the other extension was um caused a huge amount of stress onto rappers and like mental burnout because they're forced to actually like write their own lyrics which is not only very difficult but they're also forced to do that for every single song that they release on albums that can have like a dozen songs on them so it's very costly for rappers to actually produce this kind of music. And then um, that's that's very harmful. Um, and then the last one was the more interesting one. It was like basically that this opens up like unwarranted like ex- life experiences for like media and for the public to um, like basically just slice around in there and then cause a huge amount of harm. So like um, when you're forced to like talk about your lived experiences and uh, often these lived experiences are very traumatic it gives a lot of ammunition for the media to use against you, for example. Or, like, it's very harmful because you're saying these um, words to people, to millions of people who listen to it and digest that as, like, a form of music to listen to. So, like, we brought up the example of, like, Eminem and him um, singing Cleaning Out My Closet, which was about his hate towards his mother for beating him and then feeding him drugs and pills. So, um, and then that song was heard and listened to, like, 800 million times on Spotify. So it often creates like, and then his mom sued him after that. So it creates harmful like ex- public exposure to other experiences that otherwise should have been kept like not publicly exposed. So yeah, that was our case. Makes sense. Yeah, <clears throat> it does sound like the 
the strong version of like the pigeonholing uh that that kind of extension or not extension case at opening all right i think we've gone through most of it uh in the interest of time the next one did you guys want to talk about the semis or is that or is that just let, sure. let Tanesh cook he has some wait, wait. He he before before Tanesh goes before Tanesh goes i have one thing to say i'm so glad Heart House had an IR motion that wasn't about China, Russia, or Ukraine. Because the past, the, like every tournament I've gone to over the past year has been about these three things. And it just becomes so repetitive and so boring to debate about because the clash is the exact same. I mean, you made the Saudi Arabia one about China rather than rather than anything else at McGill. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think part of that reason is because these are the things that uh, the CA teams kind of can expect high schoolers to know about and other things aren't super accessible like if you you said something about like uh, like northern like central america or southern america like those are that's like maybe the edge of what you can expect to set in terms of an iron motion um southeast asia maybe you could run one on that too but like if you run one on like african politics like very few people know enough to debate about it like, like probably like 10 percent or something um okay so i'll briefly tell you what the semis motion is so the basically Okay, it's not that important. Uh, the info side is not that important, but it will be posted in the show notes if you want to look at them. The motion is, assuming innocent passage, this house supports dissolving and partitioning all international waters into the sovereign jurisdiction of individual nations. Now, does anyone think this motion is actually balanced and that op isn't a lot worse? So, this is funny, right? Like, this is objectively, and we're talking about this with Brent as well, like, this is an op-heavy motion, like, op is just true. And I was talking to Adam, who set the motion, and we were talking later, and he's like, what other cases do you think you can run an op? And we're like, probably just war. And then he's like, yeah, that seems to be enough to beat any gov content, though. And he's like, and I'm like, yeah. But the thing is, what ended up happening was what's, the semis results were gov sweep in both rooms. So I guess it is, I think, at a high level, given thought, an op-heavy motion objectively. But... The other Amen. room ran, like, conflict on op, though. I don't know how that worked out. Riley and Maria were in that one, though. Maybe they could tell us about that one. We were also in that room. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can go. Uh, I don't know. I think it's hard for op teams to justify why this agreement will lead to, like, markedly any unequal outcomes or conflicts. And I don't know. I think maybe it's just intuitively true or maybe we have more reasons in debate for why like these institutions have incentives to be accountable and reform and i think it's harder to do the negative content in that there are bad incentives at play since they're very easy to wash i think or to explain why they'll exist anyways well i think this is actually true like genuinely if we were on op and we had to run the war case like there's very intuitive thought experiments or like i think intuition pumps vis-a-vis like the arctic and stuff right where there's significant resources and there's conflicting interests in claiming this um which would suggest that the division would happen unfairly but then extending that to conflict specifically which is what is happening in the arctic or like massive political ruin and stuff is just difficult like it's just genuinely difficult plus in the motion the wording of the motion is like this house supports as opposed to like this house would do x which also makes it a little bit harder because it's like that's operating under the assumption like what are the benefits and merit and harms of this policy like occurring right so it's like in principle what is the benefits or harms of this i find it i find it really funny that we all think that op was the much more intuitive side and then both gov sides uh went through on the motion so yeah i agree when we were in prep i was like this seems like 
a little bit more op heavy but i agree with what rally was saying like there's a lot of reasons why um conflict wouldn't occur so i guess we just started like dumping all those reasons so it's a lot harder to credit that op case i was talking with brent after the round and the guy basically showed me like a photo between like peru and like chile i'm not sure if he showed you guys as well he showed me that photo. he was just yeah so like i thought that was interesting because it's not really just about like the area of water that people are getting it's really about like where you draw the line to and like a small angular difference meant like many years of legal disputes and like military action between the two states so so i think like there's definitely some validity in the op line of reasoning um a lot actually but i think just justifying that in debate land is kind of tough um especially when your actual mechanization is more important and there's no like real substantive research done on the topic um yeah joseph i do have to head out uh to study for my exams tomorrow <laughs> so yeah thanks for coming it was really great Best um yeah this podcast is really great it was really fun debating with everyone in finals um i guess have fun i'll see you guys later see ya good luck bye 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 Kev. oh wait one thing i was gonna say is like i think war arguments are always really hard to make yeah yeah, yeah right like yeah there are always disincentives for war and the disincentives are probably true. Like, I think many of them are true. Like, it costs a lot of money, a lot of resources. It hurts your people as well. It's bad for public support. And so I think the only way you can prove that there will be war is to say why those incentives are small. So instead of disproving them direct ref, which I think debaters are good at, it's more about, like, weighing and explaining the they scale of the real. impacts. Yeah, exactly. They have to yeah, actually it's weigh very hard real. to make I that. I, I, I'm, I'm going to just, like, add a little bit of once here i think it's like it's exceptionally hard to prove war arguments between like two very big countries like the us and russia like i just i just think like those types of um like war arguments are very difficult to run properly but i think it's like like sort of easier to prove and i think op could have done in this round what which was basically sort of say that like like large 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 countries will have conflicts with like smaller countries and, and just do a lot of bullying which i guess sort of ties back to the claim about like equal distribution Okay, so maybe the reason why this was probably set as a semis motion and not an in-round motion, I guess first is because of knowledge, but second because <laughs> if the op case is so contingent on proving, like, conflict, that's quite a high bar to prove for most debaters, especially if they don't have, like, ridiculous spec. Because most of the time, if you're trying to prove an argument about war, um, I hate this phrase, you have to prove tipping point analysis, otherwise <laughs> the other side like, calls you out on it. Um, and also because it just sounds very speculative to talk about conflict, right? So unless you have, like, very, very good illustrations, or historical examples, or just like straight up stats, then it becomes really hard to just say, oh, nations are going to be so pissed at each other to the point where they just come to blows. So there's such a high like, threshold of like analysis required to prove any conflict argument that it becomes unintuitive. On a, I guess on a step back from the like, motion specifically, like I think round-wise, like, uh, I, I really enjoyed this motion um, because it was, you know, like... One thing that I'm known for is having Tuvalu spec. <laughs> and it was like, for once in my life at a tournament, I was able to use that spec. And so I didn't, I didn't waste my opportunity. Um, and I don't know, like, I think it was just one of those motions that like allowed, uh, allowed us to sort of... So here's the thing, right? I think the way around went, I was like, uh, no, 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 like, no, 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 Joseph. What I mean is like, stepping back from like motion specific discussion. Uh, like, I think one of the things that happened in our round was, like, OGOO had a conflict. And, you know, by the time we we left our, 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 our round, like, me and Julian were scared. We were like, we we're like, this is very close. Like, this might be a, 
op sweep or like or like opening sweep, right? And and it's like, oh, like we didn't think we contributed. And then Brandon and Brent uh, like came up to us and they're like, yeah, you guys are definitely going through. And we're like, I'm gaslighting us. Like this is like heavy gaslighting. Um, but in hindsight, apparently I gave a good speech that round. Uh, and I, I went back and listened, and I like genuinely think it was probably one of the better slash best speeches I've given at a tournament in general in a while. So it was good. Yeah, when I was watching it, I thought your I thought your Kate, I thought you guys were going through for sure because your I thought your your like content was likely to, like much more likely to occur than all of the other cases. And I also thought you you showed to me why those effects, even though like. Tuvalu is kind of small, right? Why the, it's important to have those effects and why it's important for them to be able to, you know, have more money from, from renting out their their space. I guess there yeah. is one thing that's... Oh, wait, shit, go ahead. Wait, no, 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 Julian, you go first. Oh, yeah, just, just one thing that was round-specific for us. Um, Our OG and OO, like, sorry, Jin, there was, well, he had no control, he was PM, but there was kind of this model bash that happened on OG and OO, and I think Joseph, like, summarizes quite well, because OG is kind of like, okay, we're going to divide this well, it's going to be fair, we're going to establish an international board, etc., etc., and then OO is like, no, it's not going to be established fairly, and then Kevin, who's DPM, he's like, no, guys, it is going to establish fairly, we said it was. And then DLO comes up and is like, no, it's not going to. So then Tanush spends, like, the first minute of his speech just, like, destroying the framing from both opening teams and i think that's the reason why our rounds at, at yeah. least why we like seem so credible in our round but yeah. the, again like the problem with this motion is kind of like because it's not this house wood the government doesn't really have a lot of fiat to make a good model about Go, how Gov has no fiat Gov has no fiat in this round yeah well i guess that's true no fiat at all but yeah i guess in that sense then there's just so many potential op arguments about abuse and that's why i thought i think there you could have legitimately justified like every single call in our round like every team going through but i don't know i yeah. guess just realistically for the yeah. to operate. uh so kevin actually like not 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 to like create like like debate debate round conflict whatever but kevin said in his speech like he started talking about i i think i kind of remember this pretty clearly but he started talking <laughs> okay he started talking about um start talking about why like even if you get like in the worst case scenario even if you get a sliver of land that's still very beneficial to small nations yeah. it was like a one-liner but like we still kind of had that defense on our side so yeah um also I, Jin Jin, I think the thing was right uh it wasn't uh, i think that was weighing that was sort of derivative from us but what was different was it was like the leasing thing specifically which you guys stole from our poi and then also just our extension was on the environment and that was one of our things yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing was, I when I saw this motion, I, I knew it was, like, somewhat about, like, small islands, so that uh, I remember, like, Tuvalu, Tanush really liked Tuvalu, <laughs> so I just mentioned it in my model just to, like, troll. But, yeah. He was so mad when you said that, by the way. He turned to me, he was like, there's no way he just did that. This one was so pissed off, but we ran it anyway. Um... <clears throat> For our round, uh, I think like what both I think like it was like quite obviously a gov sweep in our room. I think what we did well on gov was like we had a lot of good analysis proving why like this land was going to be given to like equally. And so like um, what I mentioned and Rally was about to mention, um, like that we we mentioned like the Doha round uh, in in the WTO. What's where basically the like the WTO. Yeah, okay, so the WTO basically has like a consensus voting rule. So like everyone has to agree on the terms and conditions for something to go through. 
And so what happened in Do- the Doha round, which is like in 2002, I believe, it's the recent one. Um, they were like, it was unable to go through because like a lot of like poor countries were basically vetoing it from going through. And so what we, ba- well, I basically POI'd OO was basically saying like, hey, like, like Do- in Doha, um, like this didn't go through because everyone sort of had, <clears throat> sort of was able to, um, was able to veto it. And so in our extension, like Mel spent like a good, well, like this is like the content I was giving her. Um, but she basically spent a lot of her speech talking about why um, like this was likely going that this is going to decrease in the future because poor countries are rising up and they form their own voting blocks. So like ASEAN and, and African Union and things like that. But they're not like forced to vote alongside the US, whereas beforehand they would have to do so to get like better deals and like the IMF and things like that. Um, and yeah, I just think we just had a lot of good analysis as to why this wasn't going to happen. The one thing I disagree with Andrew on was that it was clear gum. I feel like I entirely asserting my model, and that was the only reason why we had any impacts. Because like you entirely just, asserted your model. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what was what the did model? you assert? We just said that you would we would expand everyone's borders by 100 kilometers, and then the rest of the land would be partitioned in some negotiation way. Wait, wait, Riley, didn't did you spend like two minutes on the model? Yeah. Two minutes on the model and yeah. the entirety of silent prep. He told me to prep the arguments so we could write out this model. That's yeah, smart. Wait, but how do you debate? I mean, you can kind of debate the motion without knowing the model on go but it matters a little bit i'm loki loki i forgot what rally's model was but that's okay isn't this what julian and i did though we're just like don't care about the model like we'll win whatever model you want i also think that what rally did was clever he like slipped in the fact that oh yeah everyone's borders will go up by 100 kilometers like assuming that it would happen like naturally you would just expand everyone's borders by 100 kilometers and then the rest would be the same Bro, that was so funny. Um, Sio was speaking, and Rally gives a POI to Sio. We give a hundred nautical miles to everyone. <laughs> Isn't that at least a small benefit? It was so funny. <laughs> That's actually such a giga brain. Like, like, uh, what's what's the? Yeah, it's like you know, it's like when you assert a premise by by hiding it in in an underlying argument. That's exactly what he did with the model. Hey, gave us such a good extension though. So, not complaining. Yeah, no, I heard y'all popped off that round. It was really cool. I'm so surprised that people said that, like, that was the best that we did in the out rounds. Or, like, not in the out rounds, but, like, that was one of, like, a really good speeches that we gave. Because I didn't really have an extension, like, until very, very late in the round. Because I was, like, my... A lot of my mechanisms for why, um these countries would start caring more about the oceans and stuff was like related to i don't know just like they care about their country and i was like i have no clue how to explain this but you know pulled through we pulled through yeah i feel like that that was one thing that was also brought up in the other room on extension exactly yeah they'll care about it like obviously you would care about like area like land area or ocean area that you have control over because like well, that's area that you that you own, right? You can't just like walk away from it as if it's no one's problem. Though, like you technically could. It feels different to just let a different country like spill oil in your water and then just like not do anything about it, right? All right. Yeah, yeah. That, that was kind of what our extension focused on. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, I keep putting you off, Andrew. I'm so sorry. There's this one more thing though. I just want 
just I hate beating this model thing to death, but I do think it's kind of important, especially for OG, um, because like op teams can be really, really annoying with the model if they want to. So in our room, Jin said this one liner, which probably wasn't even like intended, but could potentially have been like massively abused. He said that we're gonna split up most of the space proportional to population size and like that kind of sounds reasonable if you think about it but like if you use actual examples like that china having like one point i don't know like seven billion people means they probably get like almost the entirety of the south china sea right they probably also get like the taiwan Strait. that's not very good so i think the better model is well there isn't really any field to make a good model but the better characterization is because you just look at the map and you're like hey there's a lot of blue space right so we just like Give everyone more blue space. It was so funny when Sia was talking about like, uh, like how is it gonna happen? Like Julian and I were this close to POIing by just showing them the photo of the slide and being like, "Look at all this water! Like clearly there's benefits because most of the world is water." And that was like the inspiration behind our seventy-seven percent of the world is water. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good. Okay, that yeah, was so a good one. It was because CEO's only ref to our case was mitigation, right? They were like, oh, only a bit of water comes on their side, so they don't really solve climate change. Or they don't really give islands more, like, help, right? But then we just, like, pulled up the picture, and we were like, dude, most of the map is dark blue. Like, why can't you just take all yeah, of that? They were like, this was, like, spoken, like, analysis in a round. We're like, look at a map. Like, most of it is water, which is just true. Wait, did, did you... I, I told them the good ref to your case after. Did you, do you know what the good ref to your case was? Like the, the uh, Tuvalu economic area stuff. So I think, that wait, I so I think smart economic stuff that obviously happens, like you, you get a race to the bottom, which is already happening in the Pacific with like uh, leasing and like having really shitty prices for those leases. Whereas when you have international waters um, and like a small EEZ, like actually, I don't know, like I think it's just true. Like, because the thing is, right, like it is just true that most of the countries in Polynesia currently support their uh, um, economy because of the U.S. Pacific Tuna Treaty Act, which is, like, actually just a true statement. So it was, like, it just seems intuitive if you give them even, like, a kilometer more of land. That's a kilometer more of land that they can lease. Oh, yeah, I where... was going to say that the value of that land becomes much, much lower because there's way more supply of the land that, like, you have exclusive economic and jurisdiction over. I think I think the problem with that is when it comes to leasing, the comparative is a world where like currently like German fisher boats and like Japanese fisher boats just operate outside of the EEZ. Yeah, yeah. And really lose economy functions out of pity. Like it's actually really depressing. Like straight up, like companies feel really bad, so they like come and operate under their EEZ because like there's obviously tuna in other places where they could just get it for free, but they want to give poor little tubalus some money, so they like pull up. And I guess there's like slightly better tuna there. I don't know. I don't know anything about tuna that well. But... <laughs> All right, cool, makes sense. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah, no, but that sounds like a reasonable defense of the case as well. All right, let's go on to what I thought was the most exciting round, which was, uh, well, I'll briefly explain what a thought ledger is. A thought ledger is an embedded chip with stores tamper-proof records of all the individual. All the thoughts an individual has had, the chip can be taken out and accessed at any time. This house prefers a world where everyone was born with a thought ledger. The first thing I want to ask you guys is not about the round itself. Is it What do you guys think about in terms of the trend to set motions in the grand final of tournaments as just like fun uh, hypotheticals or like abstract motions? I love it. It's wow. amazing. Me too. I'm a fan. Uh Raleigh really enjoyed them. On this. No, I didn't. Okay, wait, wait. wait. I need to defend myself. 
I don't hate hypothetical motions. I dislike very broad motions that mean that you can't really give reputation um, or like direct response or mechanization because it's often just like giving examples of times where this would be good or giving examples of times where it would be bad. I think I think the bigger issue with that is that you can get away with the, uh, the Riley Lynn and Maria Shu extension <laughs> about mind slavery, which like, makes no <laughs> sense. Like, you have five minutes. Julian has five minutes, and it's like, how the hell do we like like um, reasonably be like, hey guys, like mind slavery doesn't happen because Maria is so so compelling as a speaker. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if you just try to approach like these big hypothetical motions from a regular standpoint, which we did, which was like thinking about like the short term manifestations of this policy, like thinking still kind of in debate mode, kind of, um, you're kind of bound to lose because you're always going to get undercut by a closing, bring up some like whoa, whack stuff <laughs> that's like totally smart, but also totally out of this world that judges are going to love. Like, okay. Wait, like I don't know what I'm supposed to discuss case, but straight up, like when we get to CEO's extension, like I love them. And I think within the round, them winning was fair because we didn't respond to it. But there's so like I went back home. This is straight up. I went back home and I wrote down responses because I was so like I was like, that extension sucked ass, but it was good. No one responded to it. You have to you have to read them after. Yeah, okay. uh, I think wait, sorry. One, one last thing before we actually talk about the round. This is also another problem with closing, where like in hypothetical <laughs> motions like this. It's much harder for like an opening team to run some like crazy counterfactual, but mm-hmm. exclusively these types of crazy counterfactuals come out with closing teams, and whenever they come out, they almost always take the W. Yeah, no one yeah, wants like, to be the badge person in Delive being like, I think OG won, or I think OO won. Yeah, because like, OG I, just runs the stock case, and like you can't give them the win, because it's boring. It's really interesting for the audience to listen to these kinds of emotions. So like, that's why... I think they're so interesting because not only are they interesting to debate, but I think people listening find it very, very interesting, right? So that's why I kind of like them in finals. Oh. Like the other thing. Oh, wait. One last thing also. Like, I think the best kind of hypothetical motions aren't, like, as Riley mentioned, the super broad ones about, like, a world that is going to be entirely different. Because those are the ones where you can just reject tribalism and like go woo mind slavery. <laughs> but I think the better ones are like, um, I, I, I'm not gonna lie, Joseph. Like, I even thought the McGill one was kind of not amazing in terms oh, of like. I was not in charge of the motion at all. Agree, agree. The hell you want. I don't like. Yeah, that yeah. So I thought that one wasn't great either. But I think, for example, the motion that we had for our you know cute little charity tournament was great. Um, because they're like basically when you narrow down hypotheticals into like actor motions or. Um, it, it was it was a motion about Ace Attorney of the game, so it was, it was amazing. Ten out of ten. Yeah, Andrew can send it, but like I think it's when you narrow down hypothetical motions into instances where it's like not that far removed from real life, or if it is, it's like still into like a scenario. So you're making like a Sophie. Uh, is it Sophie's choice? Like like you're making a decision or something like that, right? Or like you have a giga info slide about something fun. Like I think those are fun. Or what I've seen at university tournaments, like Doxbridge, right? Like, the, like Doxbridge did like the video game company motion. That was also cool. Um, I, I thought that was also like a good example of a hypothetical motion that's fun. Um, yeah, but I what I don't oh. is like uh, they like the boring stock political social justice motions in finals. 
I agree. I, I agree. All right, let's talk about the cases. Mel and Andrew, you're, you're OG. You're up first. Mel, you want okay. to go first? So, what did we run in this round? Oh, I guess we kind of ran a case about how it would help people understand thoughts better. And the reason, okay, so I didn't completely understand how, like, Marie and Raleigh's mind slavery thing worked. And I don't know if this was a problem with our model, because I don't understand how, wait, I'm supposed to be talking about my case. Let me talk about my case first. So we, we talked about how like, oh, people can study like thought patterns and then like learn how to, I guess, like live better lives through that or people with like amnesia or depression, um, like being able to see your thoughts. And to be honest, I actually had two points, like one about like broader societal benefits of like this kind of research, like understanding the nuance of thoughts especially in like therapy, stuff like that. But I also had another argument about like in your personal life, like in your day-to-day life, how this would help you. But I ran out of time to say it. So at five minutes, I look at my paper and I like turn, I turn it around and I see there's this whole argument that I haven't said. And I was just kind of like, damn, sucks. That's too bad. So then I just dropped the whole thing. But um, Andrew kind of talked about it like a little more in his speech with like um talking about how i guess you can look at like happier moments in your life you can reminisce on those kinds of thoughts and so yeah we kind of ran a pretty stock case i feel like on government like the case generally just has to be about like oh like happiness like blah 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 so that's kind of what we want this is um um yeah so just adding on to two things there um liz was actually talking to me about this and she was like um, she had an idea where it's basically like, um, oftentimes like when people go through like depressing spirals, they they look at like like they're very like they they just remember bad memories because of like self self selection. So like when you're going through bad times, oftentimes like the memories you think about are also associated with that bad time, and that that causes like a lot more people to be depressed. I don't know. I was not listening to any case apart from mine. Um, <laughs> and, and what this means is that um, you can use these thought ledgers to just like like be a lot more happier in the moment. Um, and things like that. The other thing is, um, I, I thought this was very smart, um, but like our distinguishment between like pre-thought and post-thought and how this could be used in crime. So like like pre-thought being like like the thoughts you make before you put this in, uh, you p- before you make the crime. So like, uh, uh, I hate this person. Um, and then post-crime being like, uh, uh, we regret this from happening. And then um, using that to like determine who's a criminal and who's not. I think that was pretty cool from us, yeah. It was cool and dropped on the rest of the round. It was kind of sad. Like, yeah, that was, so sad that was good that. analysis. Yeah, I'm so sad. Mm-hmm. About that. We thought that like the criminal justice analysis was pretty smart because like it helps a lot in criminal justice systems if you can know what the people were thinking when they were committing these crimes, right? But then we went to bigger issues. <laughs> yeah, but also like, how do you compare like criminal justice being solved by like? I don't know, people becoming mind slaves. Like, you just can't weigh yeah, that. No, on a- you, you, well, yeah, you can't so, outweigh it. Yeah. Like, you guys are like you dementia, mental health, and crime. Cool. And they're like mind slaves. And what what can you say on the law? Yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's we just were doomed. like, oh, it's doomed. 
Actually, me and Andrew, um, we have this trend where when we're OG, we lose to our CO. Like, we take a two to our CO um, or something like that. And we were like, in finals, we were like, okay, we're actually not going to lose to our CO this time. We're going to win. And then we lost. <laughs> How did you plan on doing that? Next <laughs> <laughs> time. Uh... Wait, so so do you want me to explain my case now yeah, or not? You can go for it. Hi, hi. So um <clears throat> I gotta leave soon anyways, but like um so our case was very uh I don't know, it's very hard to sum it up. It was all over the place because there was just so much content and we kinda like got got bogged down in all that content. Um it was like so first we ran like harm to society, we ran like Literally 1984, um, that basically, like, governments, authoritarian governments could, like, read your thoughts and then basically, like, strike down immediately any resistance movements to authoritarian governments because all resistances start in the mind where you think, why do I have to live under this government? And then um, you start planning stuff out. Uh, so it creates, like, kind of crackdowns on, like, the harmful, like, like, basically crackdowns on any chance of freedom for millions of people who live in authoritarian governments. And so you would never have like the Arab Spring or the Arab, whatever springs um, you would have. You would never have like a lot of the resistance movements in history that took down totalitarian governments. Um, the other thing was like Western governments and democracies could also utilize this, to, like advance them politically. They would know they could read your mind if you were like a Democrat supporter or a Republican supporter. And that's just bad because like they can read your thoughts. And um, we didn't really analyze this a lot. Um, and then there's the other thing about like individual harm. We talked about crime. Like people could steal your thought ledger and then get access to all your passwords and everything. Um, <laughs> we talked about why like there was a lot of bad things where you lose trust because everything someone says can be disproven or either proven or disproven. So you can never actually take what someone says at point blank. You can never like if I say I like Hard House. You can never say uh, the people at Hard House would never know if you're lying or not. And there would always be that doubt that you are lying because there's always a chance for them to prove that you're wrong. Um, and then there's like, there was a bunch of other stuff too about relationships and marriage and why that's bad. Because sometimes you might think, I, I really do hate the person I'm married to. Why does, why do they have to snore so loudly in their sleep? And then that can create like fertile ground for arguments, etc. So it was like very, very bad. Um, harmful for people in general. I think we took too narrow of a view to the round because compared to the mind slaves thing, we really like <laughs> did not stand a chance. So yeah. That was that was an OO case. Um I heard some people thought we took the one. Like bless them, but I don't I, I don't know if that's true. Okay. Um CG case uh so yeah I, okay first of all to be clear like we're all shitting on the co case but within the <laughs> round number one it was very compelling number two like the onus of refutation was on us at that point and we didn't have the capacity like like okay the thing with refuting maria is like she's so rhetorically strong and like well spoken that it's like you kind of know that the case is like it doesn't make sense but you don't really know why because you're like yeah maybe i do see a world where these mind slaves come about <laughs> and, you know it's like yeah, so so I think in hindsight, given more time, we would have had a better response. But given that we didn't, it was fine. Um, in terms of like our, our extension, so I thought our extension was actually pretty good. Like I think within the round, had it not been for the CO thing, we probably would have won or maybe come close. So let me pull it up. So our extension was, what did I delete? Okay, we, we had four of them. We yeah, so we had four extensions. 
um, funny story, like we had this Giga extension. We also had like a we also had like a Mindslave level extension by the time we were leaving prep. Um, about how society just becomes like this perfect utopia that develops rapidly. You never lose culture. You never lose people's memories during war. You never lose like, um, so like, like there's this one really interesting like article I read a while ago, which was like, um, there were significant amounts of progress that were devastated as a consequence of like conquest and war. And so one of the motion clarifications that we got was like, these uh, ledgers like survive after people die and they exist and like, you know, they're, they, they, they're like fine. And so um, we were like, we were going to run a case about how this leads to like massive innovation, why this leads to like, and uh, in, in, like, you know, massive innovation, massive like development, why you end up storing thought much better, why people transfer thought a lot faster and all of that stuff. And then it was like that outcomes of that are you get a lot more progress in society, you get a lot more cultural preservation. Um, and you're able to look back at how people did. And we, and we went in, and went, like, Julian and I were, like, jumping like monkeys. We were, like, let's go. Like, let's the go. craziest moment. Like, we, we actually, like, okay, well, I kind of confess that, like, closing is pretty busted on these hypothetical debates because you can just be really, really creative. And because it's an out round and there's an audience, there's people an audience. kind of judge it more on, like, vibes. I don't even know how, how cool your argument sounds or, like, the jokes that you make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so we were like, we were going crazy. And then I think around like DPM or something, I whisper to Julian and I go, could Neanderthals have like read these chips? <laughs> and then, and then we're like, and then, you know, we have a Gigasmart case and like we win. And then if we can't, then we just auto lose. So we're like, okay, fine. I'll just run more stock analysis. Cause I, I had like four other extensions prepared anyways, just in case. And so then I just ended up running those extensions instead. So what those extensions were, number one, this helps out people on day-to-day -day life um, in terms of decision-making, in terms of making, getting past things like peer pressure, making bad judgments, stuff like that, because you often, people are very myopic thinkers and that like breaks away when you can access the ledger whenever you want. Number two, I think this helps out families. Oh, uh, I think the other aspect of this was like, oh, by the way, like the drug addiction stuff and like getting away from cycles of abuse and addiction and like being more steadfast was something that I literally came up with while I was speaking. So like Julian had no uh, awareness that I was gonna bring this up. Like sort of, I was thinking it and I was thinking of, so where does our case have an impact? And then I, was, and then I remembered, oh, drug addiction. And then I'm like, oh, maybe that's another aspect of it. So then that was another part of our extension. Then the third extension was on people suffering from loss and coping with families, which was sort of like an extension of what Andrew mentioned about happiness, but it's just like more, relevant for, I don't know, families and stuff. Then we had broad social impacts. Number one was on like social empathy, which I, I only ran because Maria POI'd, doesn't this cause social exclusion? So I'm like, okay, maybe I should run a preemptive case about social empathy, which is why I think, by the way, like Maria can speak on this, like they changed their case to the mind slave stuff. Um, <laughs> and, and, then, and then our final argument was the innovation argument, but ran in 30 seconds instead of four minutes. So it was a lot worse, but I still wanted to sort of fit it in because if true, then I think it's still, like, I think it has a very concrete impact. That was good. Yeah, um, I mean, if it's yeah. conceded by... Well, I think at that point, Op already conceded that, that it could be read and used by historical dictators, no? I don't know, because even then it seemed as though it was, like... Like, it was, it was hazy. Like, it was hazy in the sense that, like, the extent to which this impact relies on is the more time you have. So, like, we had some time, in, I guess, in, this, in which this could be read. 
But if it wasn't like since the dawn of civilization, then this motion's impacts really only happened in like a not Nin that post nineteen forties, yeah. Yeah, no, it makes sense. All right, which, CO. Which, which, sorry, which, by the way, like, the post-1940s frame would also destroy so much of our case, but no one pointed that out, so it's fine. Yeah, it kind of breaks the motion. All right, that was a CG case. CO. Maria, please enlighten us. So, um, I'm actually going to give some context for the formation of this because <laughs> it might be interesting yeah, yeah. to hear about. Um, what, what I ended up saying in that extension was not what we were planning to say. Tanush was very correct. I was going through the entire round not knowing what my extension was going to be. We were originally going to run something similar to what OO had, so props to them for taking what I thought was good material, and then we were going to run something about how this would change social dynamics so that intelligent people would be preferred, like racism except for Eugenics. thought ledgers, and then I realized that makes no fucking sense. <laughs> And then I was thinking of running the social exclusion, which Tanush aptly pointed out in his extension, it didn't make sense either. So, sorry, let me just mute that. <laughs> and so right before I went up to speak, I thought, hey, maybe this would change society in a way that would be bad because of the ways that we use thought for labor. And for anybody who... Uh, hasn't seen the finals or doesn't know what the extension was, it was essentially, and, and I find this very hard to explain, mainly because I, I still don't really understand what the extension was, was that your thought ledger becomes what is valuable to corporations and to, especially historically, what would probably be like your feudal lords or your empires that are built around productivity and expansion and efficiency. And therefore, so long as they can maximize a certain number of people who have thought ledgers that contain a lot of useful information, and then a certain number of human bodies with which they can use to look at those thought ledgers and then use that information, there's really no need for you to, A, either teach anyone about anything else and allow them any sort of human choice, or B, even care about them at all, and that's likely what leads to overwork or death for a group of people. Um, Riley and I find it really funny that we won because we think the win was very suspicious. <laughs> I find it very funny that all of you are talking about our extension like it was some magical, so magical cool. land that we were transported into by the time I started my speech. Um, maybe one thing it goes to show is if you go up to speak and you sound like you know what you're doing and you use good rhetoric, it can take you very far in life and in debate as well. So maybe that's helpful for any of you that think that style is unnecessary. Our extension made no sense. But because we sounded okay while saying it, I think that's ultimately maybe why we won. <clears throat> just adding on to this, like Rally in that, like, like Rally just throughout has just made me realize how important structure is. Like the amount of content this guy fits in his whips is just crazy. Yeah, in this round, he, oh, Rally, tell us about what you did in this round. Unconventionally. Um, I don't know. I think, like, my thoughts on this round is, like, it's very much kind of example-giving from both sides, and example-giving that's correct. So you need to find a good way to attack things that are systematic, rather than attacking the individual examples, because there are just too many examples in the round to win. Like, Prop has a ton of stuff about, like, like there's dementia, there's crime, there's the empathy stuff, there's whatever, whatever, whatever. So I think maybe it's easier to look at 
characteristics that are important. I mean, I got the idea from from Max Williams because uh, I think at some point we were debating a emotion like this house believes that the state of the world today is preferable to 150 years in the future. And obviously you can talk about like different social issues. You can be like, oh, climate change. But there are just so many to talk about on both sides. So instead, what's good is to talk about forces that drive human progress. So for example, competition is like a key force. And then explain why that's better for your side than other side. So I think like, I don't know. Maybe it was useful. Maybe it was not. Um, no, 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 I think I it was think... useful. I think it was an incredibly good way to synthesize the kinds of arguments that people are making in a way that you could attack it systematically, as you said. Yeah. I don't know. I think, okay. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Like, I guess in terms of our extension, I like thought of it differently than Maria a little bit. <laughs> like, I think the way I saw it was more about kind of how maybe this like cheapens the human experience in the sense that it, so I think Brent was talking to us about this after the round. Which is like it, uh, I don't know, like, instead of uh, having, like, more meaningful relationships and connections and communications, we would just kind of use thoughts as a more efficient way of doing it. But I think that's, like, it's, like, flawed as well. Yeah. So I, I feel like arguments of that nature are kind of, kind of hard to make, in a sense. It's kind of like the experience machine why it's bad argument. No, for sure. That makes yeah sense. Like, you have to explain why experience is important absent utility which i think is is definitely hard since it seems intuitive that utility is very important yeah so like the reason i thought their case i mean like i think everybody generally agrees that their case sort of was like a little bit tough but it's like i don't know man i think responding to was difficult but the responses are like number one i think one of their mechanisms sort of relied on brain implants which was like not part of the motion um actually i don't know like maria like how true is this like the way that the way that i got it from your speech was that you like take these genius thoughts and then you put them into like stupid people's brains and, and they, that like, makes do the genius things yeah i feel like mm -hmm. um i feel like like you could just sort of like because your extension also sort of relied on that right like like the fact that you can just like watch all of these memories i feel like if you just like no, 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 no. it didn't because because watching people's memories is different from like like I, I guess the empathy stuff does to some degree but the empathy stuff was like uh i guess our, our extension was that you know that these aren't like fabricated right everybody knows these are tamper proof this is like how people actually think so it's like if you watch someone else's thoughts it's not that you see them like you put them into your own mind and then that's how you empathize but just looking at someone else's thoughts makes you see that there is social empathy that can be generated i don't know if that makes sense whereas the productivity argument i think more directly relied on you not only read these people's thoughts, which I guess to some degree ours did as well, but like you like inhibit their thoughts, you know? Yeah, it's unclear whether or not you'd be able to perform the same makes... actions in a capitalistic sense that they do by reading or inheriting their thoughts. Like it would have to be an implant for you to become like think... a good mathematician. Mm -hmm. I think just viewing the thoughts would either, at least the way I implicitly viewed it, um, would be something that would be difficult to understand or not effective at making you a better mathematician, at least not more so than other things you could po probably do. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, maybe we should move on soon, but I, I think, <laughs> I don't know. A few more life stuff. Ooh. The, the, Ooh. Way, <laughs> the way I was like, I don't know, the, the argument seemed to me was more like, uh, so like some people have a, 
like a biological advantage in the way and the method in which they think or something like that. And then um, so people with that advantage would be made to think and then everybody else would kind of just be made to follow orders from from thought ledgers or they would be taught to uh to to work in a so, similar way wait rally would you like copy their thought ledger like is that what you mean it's like you would develop society and you would develop like education based on the thought ledgers of specific people Ah, okay, I can see oh, that. I can see that. Oh, okay. okay, I understand. Yeah, it's kind that of based better. on, it's based on the opening government analysis about how you can teach other people how to think better. Oh my gosh! And soon, like when you guys started talking about that, I was like, was it a mistake to say this? <laughs> I yeah, yeah, we didn't have illustrations. So I think the, I just think the problem is that isn't thought reliant on human experience. Yeah, yeah. So I think to some degree, yes, and that kind of like breaks the debate a little bit i feel because if context is necessary how impactful is it there's yeah. probably holes you could poke though because like even if what rally says about genetic differences is untrue like i feel like you can give <laughs> someone who's a genius you can give them genius thoughts and they still won't do genius actions right so if it's true that there's things that are inherent to people that just let lead them to you know come up with smarter things or do smarter things yeah. you can't just feed them thoughts and expect them to have smart outputs but then also, the other thing is like oh yeah like on success right like the best developments in society don't come from one person. Like yeah, usually, just, you probably yeah. need. Um, I thought was there. Yeah, yeah, you need more than one viewpoint to probably make something work. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, I think, like, I just disagree with like the CEO premise. Like, I just think there's like always going to be a demand for different thoughts. Um, like, like, like there have been always, like, like historical thought, like context that we perceive to be true, but like, like scientific discovery found out that they were actually fake. So even if it is true that like we put. Um, like like current mathematicians' thoughts into someone else's head, like that that that's not the best course of progress because like that that math might be wrong in the very first place. Yeah, I'm curious to see like now what the what a what a proper fifteen minute RFD would have been because to be fair, like um yeah, I don't know like it was to the be end fair, of the tournament yeah end of the, <laughs> end of the tournament people were tired yeah. off with yeah, yeah, so with a lot of the good gov content too I think like they were just like vibes judging so you know. It did take a while though. That was quite a long. Oh no! Game. It's because it was split three three, and they couldn't convince anyone. They just got angry at each other, so that's why they ended yeah, up three we three. We were so hungry by the end. It was like nine thirty. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah, I asked them if they were gonna like give us like a dinner break or something, and they were like, "No." And I'm like, oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Naturally, it wouldn't just it wouldn't take as long as long as you didn't run dinner. Except they it went just as long, and dinner they didn't get a dinner break. Alrighty. Uh, any closing rounds about uh, or any closing thoughts about the round? I thought I thought it was a very enjoyable round to watch. I think all the audience would agree too. So it was an excellent show, excellent debate as well. Uh, unless someone has something else to add, there's a few last things I want to talk about before uh, I stop holding you guys hostage. About the oh, okay, okay. So I think that a lot of people and like y each other know about y'all in terms of like your debate life. What did you guys do before you started debating? What kind of hobbies do you guys do? What did you focus a lot of your time on? And what kind of people were you guys before debate? And how has it corrupted you? Oh, can I start with this one? Yeah, go ahead. I think for me it's quite interesting because I was never actually planning to get into debate as much as I did. I was an athlete that got very, very injured. So I had like two main hobbies. Like I did debate, but I did 
debate as like a side gig. And then I got extremely injured and COVID happened. And I was like, okay, well, I have nothing else to do. I have to do debate. So I started debating a lot more often. And I started like breaking into the circle of like people who actually debated a lot more. And honestly, like the way it's changed me, I'm not sure. I guess I met a lot of really interesting people. I think still to this day, the smartest people that I've ever met, I've met through debate. Like, I'm not even going to lie. Like, people who debate are so intelligent. And also, um, it wasn't good for my mental health. Like, maybe not. I honestly took a break, like, a year off debate um, quite recently. Like, I quite recently came back. And I honestly found that that year off really helped me um, rethink, like, how I value debate and it's helps me in tournaments because my mentality isn't like super messed up. I find that your mental is so important when it comes to debate tournaments. So um, I've kind of learned how to make my mental better and like be more chill, not care so much about outcomes. Um, but I do think I don't like regret getting into debate this much. If I had to choose between like, going back to like competitive sports um i What's do think do? that like i did badminton oh like i played like 10 hours a week or something like a lot um i do think that i don't regret getting into debate just because i met so many cool people and i think debate forces you to think about different perspectives of things and it forces you to think about things extremely logically and i do think that's a really good skill to have so yeah. Wait, Mel, which club did you do badminton? No way, it was KC. I played at KC. No, how? You're so far from it. What do you mean you played at KC? There's a KC KW. Oh, okay, okay. That oh yeah, that's true. They have different places. That that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Why did yeah. you guys play at KC? No, I just no, have a lot of friends I who didn't. did. Yeah, same. same oh, thing. okay, okay. Yeah, no, I played at KC. Makes sense. Okay, I can go on the before debate thing. So I started um, September, no, August of 2020. So during quarantine, um, before debate, I was like completely like a math CS kid, right? I was one of these like super cringe Olympiads kids that just, <laughs> you know, went down the Asian rabbit hole. Uh, debate was pretty interesting. Definitely like a new change of perspective. You know, I'm actually writing my TC application like during the, this podcast right now. Did, did someone knock on his door? <laughs> That's funny. Poor Julian. TC application. Uh, what a time. What a time. <clears throat> Dude, honestly, watching all the, like, 11s and the 10s do their TC apps right now, just, like, it sort of makes me nostalgic. Like, like just about, like, the, like, it, it's, like, the exact same thought process that we had and, like, the exact same emotions that we had. And it just feels so nostalgic, like, watching them go through the exact same yeah i agree like it's kind of i don't know it's 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 both like yeah so like damn step back from it like this that was a stressful time like really really bad so it's good that was a depressing time is what it was oh my god i yeah. want to tell them to like chill out honestly but obviously they're not gonna listen yeah it, it doesn't matter that much your life will be just as enjoyable either way yeah maybe more enjoyable oh that might be i think it's fun but like yeah you're probably right mel it's fun and it's really really good coaching yeah um 
Julian, one thing I, oh yeah, yeah. One thing I will say though is that I think in-person debating is probably better for the mental than online because online it just feels so, I don't know, detached and like it feels like you're just doing something because you're forced to. In-person in at least there's a social element to it, right? You can like, you know, talk to people, you can get food with them. Um, yeah, but of course for my application, obviously I have to say that I'm really captivated by debate and it's my number one passion. Please believe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can talk about debate too. And just, like, talk about life. I don't know. People don't do that very often at tournaments because you just have so much more to talk about otherwise. Yeah. Or you spend the whole time playing Clash Royale. Depends on which person you are. Uh, are you're not Royale. roasting me, are you? Like, no, 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 rally, rally. Rally? That's rally in the back? <laughs> rally, explain yourself. Dude, dude, rally was, like, pulling out the Clash every round. Well, because there's nothing to do in between rounds. There's, there's 100 people around you that you've debated against and smashed for two years. You should at least go talk to them like the real people. Fair enough. <laughs> we did we did do a considerable, I mean, I, more than usual amount of talking. Okay, that's it. So I think it was a, it was a respectable balance. <laughs> so high bar. Very nice. I can go next about the before debate slash. Yeah, yeah. Before debate, like... I think probably one of the few debaters that has, like, a very large, like, one of the few, I think, like, I don't know. Large list involved. of accomplishments, yep. No, 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 no. Like, one of the few heavily involved <laughs> debaters that, that has, like, a life outside a debate. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, no. No, no, you're yes. right. Like, you're right, you're right. He's like, right. A, like, a, like, a very significant life outside of debate. Like, I, I love Mel as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I think Mel too. Me and you, Yeah, yeah, this is, this is what Brent said as well. Like, we're, like... The two people yeah, Brent says we're different. Like we're very similar, not different. Mel. What? No, you are. Like both we're different than the other debaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like, I, uh, I think one thing that I realized was like one during like peak like grind was like, um, I don't know. There's a sense of enjoyment that I get from doing debate for fun, and like I'm one of the few people that's always done debate for fun and like self-driven, but. There's a lot of other things that make you happy. And like life is about being happy, right? So you should do those things as well. Cause it's not just all about like going to uni and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, I'm personally a big extrovert and like I go out with friends a lot and like spend time with people that I care about a lot. And that means like, you know, when most of everyone else is like studying or like physics examining or things like that, I'll probably be like, outside spending time with people but also like i think I, sp I find time to be like do academic stuff that i find exciting um so maybe i wasn't an athlete but but like i i also play badminton but like it was like <laughs> a lot of a lot of motor un um <laughs> a lot of like uh, things i can't mention and uh, uh -huh. socializing we call that socializing yeah, yeah, a lot of socializing with people. Um, and, you know, just, like, living life outside of debate. I think that being said, though, as much as I, like, do it, and, like, maybe within the debate community, I'm, like, outside the debate community. Outside the debate community, I'm, like, a big debater. Like, as in, like, I'm very, very heavily involved in debate. And I think some of the closest friends that I have, like, almost everyone in this call, right? Like, you know. Almost. Everyone. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> I'd consider a close friend and they're all debaters you know like yeah like yeah like like big shout out to like 
like you know like obviously big shout out to everyone here but like like maria for example like i turn like she's literally like like a motherly figure to me sometimes like i go to her when i want advice and stuff or just someone to vent to and stuff and it's like same with mel andrew rally julian like you know everyone Maria is is a mother. Yeah. That's why she doesn't need to give a thank you speech. <laughs> okay, I feel like I need to... <laughs> I, I feel like thank you speeches are hard because you're always going to miss someone. I think it takes up too much time. Oh, that happens very quite often, yeah. And then... Bro, Andrew goes up and he goes, I want to thank my partner from last year. Or, I mean, or I think generally, um, I don't know, for me, it's hard because I don't like breaking my headspace from when I'm sitting writing my extension to when I'm about to give my extension mm. because it feels sometimes like it, it's hard, especially when I have an extension That's that true. I myself don't understand because I'm still like talking myself through it before I'm even speaking. Um, so, so that went wrong with, yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that that's a big, <laughs> for sure. That's actually really, really big. Like, I think, I imagine um, I would give a thank you speech and then start forgetting what the response, like, the good response is or, like, how I want to organize my speech compared to other teams. That's fair. Um, and true. <laughs> yes. Uh, Tanush, too, actually. Oh, okay. Wait, what? Are, are, are you going to... Sorry, you might have to cut this out, but they have to... Oh, do yeah, an it's IPPM. all good. If they do that, that that's cool. Is, do you want to stay? Are you going to beg for more time? Dude, we just have to like. Are we already split like our parts? Uh, I think. What? Like, actually, yeah, so, 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 so why Sarah? I think we need Kaylee for this actually. Like, like I think why Sarah wanted to call was to like talk about what we needed to cut and shit from our case and like what we needed to Kaylee a wall. You guys yeah, planned so prep for 10 p.m. Y'all are crazy. Save time. And Kaylee's not here. Okay. All right, it's all good. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one last one thing. Last Maybe you should leave and not get yelled at by Sarah. Um, I think like this sort of answers like one of the later questions. Um, I think like for me, debate was very isolating during the COVID era because like I was and I, I was online from school and stuff, and I was like debating ten hours a week and like um, doing tournaments every weekend, and it was very isolating. Like there was a there was a point where like we returned back to school and I just like forgot how to talk to normal people because I was like like in my headspace like all I was thinking about was like like different arguments I could have run and it was like I was I was literally like I was literally like just like mentally a debater and it was it was the most awful thing ever so like I think it's better now that debate is in person and like school is in person so you will no longer get to that level of isolation but holy shit if you're gonna do debate like like find other hobbies and like be a person and, and don't just like be a debater um and and uh one more thing i was gonna say yeah that that, that, that that's my rant yeah no that that, that rings very true you want to be doing other stuff it makes you better and for the love of god see people outside of debate yeah oh wait one more thing um yeah so also um adding to what tanesh said like um also a lot of like the closest friends i've had we're from debate and i think it's just because like you go through the same experiences so you talk to each other more um yeah collectivity cool but also like do other stuff yeah makes sense uh the next thing i wanted to just kind of we'll, we'll close out reasonably soon here um there's kind of kind of two things just looking forward and looking back a lot of people 
especially ones who do like a ton ton of debating in high school either go on to university and continue to do it pretty hard or just kind of stop because they've already kind of done everything so for you guys especially those of you that are graduating do y'all think you're going to continue university any apprehensions anything you want to know about the university circuit I think this is a hard question to answer because what I'm generally concerned about is I'm going to do one month of concentrated debating and then I will never want to touch this activity ever again in my life. But I do think a lot of people find enjoyment in doing debates sort of as more of a hobby in university. So I know Michael and Stellar specifically have... I think a more healthy relationship with debate now that they do it just generally in their clubs and they you know they they don't have to judge tournaments or run tournaments and they don't have to keep up I think a lot of the social pretenses of getting to know debaters and interacting with them but still going to tournaments as they want to um, I, I think it's good to do debate at some point in university but I don't know if I want to do it as seriously, at least, as the way that it happens in high school. And I do think university debate is good in the way that it is different in which you don't have that many tournaments you oftentimes go to. I mean, unless you want to still be involved in the high school circuit, which is is a choice you can make. Um, But otherwise, there aren't so many university tournaments that take up a lot of your time. Yeah, and most people don't go to as many. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, I don't know, maybe for me, I guess I have a slightly different perspective, like, yeah, maybe the one month of concentrated debating, which by that, which by that vague language, Maria means world, um, <laughs> is gonna be a little bit intense and, like, bad. But, I don't know, Max said something that I resonated with me, which is, like, debate is, like, crack, which is, like, you know you want to get off of it, but you keep doing it, and it feels really, really good. So, I personally plan to do debate uh like like i personally plan to do debate when i go to university i think the biggest apprehension that i have is uh the university that i will likely be going to which i don't want to name podcast wise is like i don't know they have they had a good reputation in debate and now they have like a very shitty reputation in debate whoa 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 they broke two teams the quarters and worlds come on now no no i mean i mean in terms of like the way they organize and oh manage oh okay okay yeah yeah, yeah very fair and so I think the one aspect of that that I'm sort of excited for is like I like being making institutional changes wherever I go. Like my school didn't have a debate team and now they're like in Oz doing stuff and that's been good. Um, so I don't know. I want to like change that and hopefully change it for the better uh, in my time there, which I'm excited for. Um, but at the same time, you know, and I'm uh, and like I'm also excited for like university debate just seems a lot more like my speed of debating in terms of like the level of seriousness the types of cases stuff like that so i'm excited for that as well i'm a little bit nervous in terms of like partnering and stuff like that because i guess one crutch that i've had is like everybody here knows me and we're friends and we work well together but at a university it's more like you have a lot of international people that you're going to be working with maybe potentially and i think i'm generally a person that's great to work with if this is like advertising for my future partner but uh um you know like that's i guess one aspect of it that i'm a little bit nervous about maybe hope to see you around for a long time 
Um, I think I will probably stay in the circuit. Uh, Max, what Max said probably resonates very well. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like, I think, I think it would be a more, like, a, a better analogy if there was, like, like, certain, certain, like, lines of, like, crack that were, like, very good, and then, like, others one just, like, didn't hit as hard. What? Um, like a, like a bad trip or something? You're like, what? Yeah, 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 like, like, when you just, like, lose, you know, so. Yeah, you get, like, the rush of because like when you go into the uni circuit most of the time i'll say most of the time but that's probably not true for some people here you have to grind again in order to be good again in university because the people in university are a lot better than the people in high school so you will need a like but it's like it's really rewarding after you do it and then you start seeing results and you start seeing your speech pick up and you start feeling like you're giving much stronger speeches uh compared to before and then when you look back on high school you're like the 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 level of to which i understand debate is much higher now and i can do a good job judging and a good job coming up with cases and giving um giving feedback to people which i think is something that i enjoy to do at least anyone thinking about quitting who's done after this one who be honest man i (laughs) Might not go to university, so oh. I don't think university in the question here. Um, <laughs> Are you gonna work, or what? What you gonna do? That sounds really sick. I might go to college, and I might work. Yeah. Oh, that sounds kick sick. Because like I don't really know what I'm gonna do, so like I don't know if I'm gonna go to university. Like for me, university is not like super like school is like not really my jam. You oh, know. Me neither. Me neither. Don't you worry. So. Like, if I were to go to university, I would probably stay around the circuit, maybe judge a couple tournaments, see the juniors that I like, blah, blah, blah. Um, if I don't go to university, then I guess that's that's it. Wait, Ravi. Mm-hmm. Wait, were you going to say something? You unmuted. Um, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Why? What were you going to ask? No, 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 no. Okay, okay. I don't know. I think maybe I'll... I'm not sure if I am going to continue doing debate in university. Yeah. I think I might want to, like, help organize tournaments or, like, um, like do judging and maybe, like, some coaching. But... I don't know. I think it's, like, a lot of time that uh, you spend into debate as an activity. And kind of restarting on that when I've been doing it for four years when I could be starting with like I don't know doing some other things yeah maybe it's not yeah there's more life and then also I I think maybe it's kind of I don't know for me like because I want to study like eng so I don't know if it's uh if if it's like harder to debate in in a sense because uh you don't really learn about a lot of course material which I feel like is pretty important for being able to apply in debate rounds you don't learn a lot of your course material? No, no, you don't learn a lot of the, like, poli-sci, like, econ, like, uh, course I, material. You probably so... already know them better than most debaters. Let, let's be real, like, Rally's just gonna be reading articles every day anyway, so, like, what's the difference? Yeah, you, you, you learn better through debate than through school. Like, like, you learn way better through debate than through school. It applies the other way, don't you worry. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Alrighty, and the last thing I wanted to close off this podcast is, as old people... 
What advice would you want to give to a younger version of yourself who is just starting out debate, who has listened to this podcast, wanting to be like y'all and maybe wanting to come come on this podcast one day? Okay, so as the only not old person here, I'm probably not qualified to speak on this as much. But I guess in general, it is true that there are times in the year where you can just find yourself too bogged down in what the kids call the grind. Um, I don't know. I guess sometimes it is good to like you know practice really hard, uh, become super immersed into it if you like like it. Um, the the one thing is though, like you shouldn't be doing debate unless you like genuinely find at least some fulfillment in it. Like I know people who kind of just do it to have an extra activity or because they want to do well, they want to make TC, they want to go to the US. Like debate is one of those activities where there are a lot of like things to enjoy about it as much as, as, much as we like clown on it. So like make sure you actually like like the process, right? So I don't know. Go get dinner with your friends. You know, go talk some shit after rounds. Don't don't make it too um, don't take it too seriously. But also, like you know, enjoy your time. I would say, like, prioritize your ben- your mental over everything while you're debating. Like, um, if you do bad at a tournament, if you do bad at a couple tournaments, like, it's okay. Um, it's not. You shouldn't think that you're less of a person because of what happens at tournaments, and. At the end of the day, like Julian was saying, you have to really evaluate, like, do you experience more joy from this activity or is it just something that you're forced to do? And if it is something that you're forced to do, you should probably find other hobbies and also try not to feed into the weird debate hierarchy. Like if someone is better at debate than you, they are not just inherently a better person or if someone is not as good at debate. That doesn't mean you can just be mean to them. Like, I don't really know when this started being such a big issue in debate, but I feel like people idolize, like, good debaters and are really, really mean to bad debaters, like, way, way too much. And I feel like that probably is something that needs to be worked on by the community as a whole. Yeah, like, I don't know, man. The way I see it is, like, this is a subset of a subset of a subset of your life right it's one extracurricular among money at you know one chapter of school among money at one aspect of your life among many in the future so it's like i think this is what i mentioned in the thought ledger round which is like we are human beings are very capable of being like short-term gratification care about the short-term grind stuff like that but one thing that i've really really realized over the past four years is like just enjoy life and it's like easier said than done but um like i genuinely mean that in a way where it's like you need to find fulfillment in a way that you actually understand what is fulfilling for you as like a person um and i think like for me that was like a radical acceptance with everything that's going on in life including debate and that makes everything, I think, a lot more fun, including debate. And then I think the second aspect of it is just respect everybody else's conception of life, right? Um, I think there is no one worse than someone who's good and makes that the point of their existence and, like, uses that as some sort of leverage. And I think that's worse than someone who's bad and just gives a bad speech or does something that's funny or laughable and stuff like that. So... 
I just genuinely think like, you know, there's so much more to life. And just like, if you're someone that's like a junior and you're like getting into debate, then I would just say like, don't commit to it just yet as well, which is like, figure out, there's so many other activities at our school as well. This is like definitely more activities at your school. And, you know, do those activities. Who knows, man? Maybe you're a DECA kid, which, God forbid, <laughs> because those are the only kids worse than debate kids. But, <clears throat> yeah, very true. Um, I'm very true to uh, on, on a much less deeper note, take the opportunities you have to travel elsewhere for international tournaments and really to international tournaments. Like, don't just stay in Harvard and, and go across the country to go to UBC, for example. There's a lot of really interesting people and really amazing people that you will meet from other countries if you have the chance. And you should really try to go to tournaments like AWSDC if you ever can or Europeans if you ever can. Because it's always just so much fun to get to know other people from other countries. They debate a lot differently from you. So if you're interested in your own development, that's usually pretty good. And then just you know, like have more friends from different places. You don't need to be friends solely with your local circuit. You can get to know people from other national teams, and they're usually super, super cool. Shout out to Team Singapore. They're very based. Um, so yeah, take, take, take the opportunities that you can to go around the world. Debate is an activity that usually provides for that kind of travel that is not usually the case in a lot of other activities that I find that you do in high school. So if you have those opportunities, then take them. And cost is definitely a barrier, and it is a barrier for a lot of people that we know and a lot of people that are quite good at debate. So if you are good at debate, if you do want to travel, there are always ways that you can um, hit up your local EEC or other institutions, <laughs> see if they can subsidize you. Usually people do want debate to be more accessible. So there's usually always ways to try and make it to tournaments as well. Yeah, what I was going to say was like the caveat of financial capacity, like travel within your financial means, don't spend too much if debate is... <laughs> like, honestly, like, maybe my view on this is actually genuinely different from Maria's, which is like, if you don't have the financial capacity to travel, then don't. Um, simple as that. Because I don't think debate is worth it, to be honest. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is like, if you're someone, like, from my own experience, debate is a very elitist activity, probably less so than actually other extracurriculars, but it is one that is largely dominated by private schools, private institutions, stuff like that. So if you are maybe, like, a rare person who's, like, just coming into it from a public school or doesn't do, like, coaching and stuff, then, you know, there's still ways for you to break through and don't feel discouraged because if you do really enjoy the activity, like, I genuinely believe, like, where there's a will, there's a way. So, yeah. <clears throat> um yeah i think all that's true um i just have to one well like one small thing to add and like one bigger thing the first is like like thought experiment like relationships you obviously don't want to like be so dependent on someone where like you devote like your entire life to them same as like you don't want debate to be your entire life and just like be a person outside of debate and expand um yeah i have a lot of <coughs> relationship experience um anyways Second thing is, I think, like, there's a lot of, like, times where you find yourself being the competition with, like, your peers, like, the same people that, like, are in this, like, this near the same skill level as you, like, you demonize those people. I think, like, generally, you should try and, like, be friends with, like, like the community at large. Um, it's just, 
less it's much less isolating when you have when you have people to talk to that go through the same experiences that you do um like during after like tournaments for instance when you have like like everyone that was in like your round for instance was the same uh was your friends you're able to tell you're able to talk to those people and uh get over that grief a little bit better last thing is you should take breaks like i think this is very understated in debate like breaks are so so helpful um <clears throat> I, I think like especially it helps you get like a better perception on life and like like think about um I, I guess like think about your life much better this obviously helps a lot in like out rounds and narrative motions because you likely go through those thoughts but also it's um it's just good because you got to reset your mental and it's um and like you oftentimes come back and like you come back a lot stronger so I think the breaks are very frowned down upon because people perceive them as like, oh, you're lazy, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I think they help a lot to reset your mental and um, help you win, I guess. I think that about wraps it. It's all very, very wise words. If I were to say one thing to, to close it off, there is, there is life after debate. I've seen, I've seen it. There's a lot of good life that you can have. Don't feel like just because you spent a lot of time in debate that you have to continue doing it or that you're already in grade 11 you've already spent three years doing it if you don't enjoy it if you hate it you can take a break that can often help um you can also just you can you can leave that's all right too i've seen plenty of people do it so if it's not something that you enjoy there's plenty of other ways you can get into university and there's plenty of other th ways that you can make friends um and you can still be friends with the people that are around you maybe you won't see them at queen's um, or at McGill, but you'll have plenty of opportunities to hang out with them too and make new friends doing other things too. So yeah, that's, that's the last piece of advice I will draw people. And I think that's what I would tell myself when I, but Mel had something. I thought she was filling the dead space. No, like I'm being told that I, I don't uplift women's voices. No, that's Ralph. That's Ralph. We're telling Riley to drop some advice right now. Oh, yeah. And then he said, I thought Mel still had to go. And then he said, I thought, and we were like, no, I already went. Oh, okay. I'll switch and... the order. Riley, what's your, what, Riley, what, what advice do you have? Uh, Actually, no, you can close this off. I won't switch the order. You're going to close this off. Okay. Oh, damn. I don't know. I think, um, kind of like, like any competitive activity, debate is kind of hard in the sense that. Kind of the more you you care about results, the more you're likely to get them. But then at the same time, the more pressure you put on yourself, such that it becomes like takes like a toll, I think, on your like mental health and stuff like that. So I think kind of it's hard then to find a good balance, but you do need to to find a good balance in order to be able to both do well and have fun i think everybody individually has different expectations and has a different um like willingness to um i i think it's like different expectations different things that they want out of debate and i think kind of uh we over focus often on quantifiable results and quantifiable outcomes so like how you speak on the tab, how you, you know, like whether or not you're on the, the national team. I think probably it's good to kind of branch out from that more and to think about the other kind of parts of debate that make it meaningful, like hanging out with other people, like meeting others, 
like being able to kind of discuss such intellectually rigorous and rich issues, right? With so many other people that are super smart and who have a lot of thing, good things to say and who are very passionate about the things they do. I think these are all like very important parts of debate that tend to be undervalued because they're underquantified. But I don't know, just like find what, what is meaningful to you. And I think the more time kind of you spend thinking about it and reflecting on your experiences, the better time I think you're going to have as a whole and you make the most out of, out of what you do. So yeah, that's it. Aww. Thank you for those wise words. I feel like you'll have a lot more wisdom that you guys could spit, but we are limited in time and someone needs to prep a case right now. So I will end it off here. I'd like to thank all of you guys for a wonderful podcast. And I'd like to thank all of you guys for a wonderful year in the competitive circuit. Obviously, there's a few comp- there's a few tournaments left. Um, I'm not sure when I'll see you guys again. Hopefully, I will sometime in the future. But Hard House is the last big gathering of the year. And you'll have a hard time getting that many, that much of the debate community together all at once. So it was a great experience to be there myself. You showing up to Harvard? Like, maybe. I think we're all going to Harvard. Oh, all right. I'll find a way. I'll find a way to go. All right. Yay. Do Okay. I'll end the podcast now. I appreciate everyone who's here. I appreciate everyone who's listening. Appreciate everyone who went to Hard House and everyone who ran the tournament. It was an excellent one. And uh, thank you to everyone who supports the circuit, including all the parents who support us, university students financially, and also the circuit overall. So that's all I got to say. Um, any final shout outs from any of you guys? Anyone anyone listening at home? Uh, shout out Shreyas Gupta. Yeah, he's the goat. I'm gonna need to figure out who that is, but shout outs. Alrighty, thanks everyone Ooh. for. Yeah? Just watch, watch your first podcast, Joseph. It's in the, what? It's in the TC podcast, and then you'll see. I wasn't the first. You guys were uh, the first. Uh, that's true, that's the second. Alright, anyways. I'm going to end the podcast off here. Thanks once again, everyone, for listening to the BDT Podcast, and I will see you guys next time.